0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of Crave Arts Presents The Future of Film, featuring intimate interviews with the best emerging filmmakers from around the world. My name is Tom Oliva, and I am co-founder and executive director of Crave Arts and the All-American High School Film Festival, dedicated to discovering, showcasing, and uniting the next generation of visual storytellers and content creators. In October of 2022, we celebrated our 10th annual festival, Ten years in, and our community is thriving, a testament to the power of believing in the arts and the emerging artists that share their stories with us. The collective spirit of our organization, our community, and all of our year-round initiatives is rooted in a shared passion, a passion to breathe life into stories, to collaborate with others who share your vision, and to create content at the highest level content with the ability to move viewers emotionally, to inspire with unprecedented style and craft, and to impact real change. Some quick updates from the All-American Bulletin Board as we gear up for our 11th annual festival in New York City this October. The fest will be in New York this October, and submissions are currently open on Film Freeway with the final deadline of July 3rd. You can head over to hsfilmfest.com to get the latest news and updates about the festival, uh, including our 2022 highlight reel, downloadable 2023 budget guide and planning guides, and festival posters, because it's never too early to begin planning your all-American adventure. A friendly reminder that we're offering a new custom category this year, your chance to make an original music video for one of four songs by AWOL Records artist MXM2 you can head on over to hsfilmfest.com slash custom dash categories for more info on that. Also, if you plan on attending the festival in New York City, we highly recommend competing in our film invitational competitions, the world's premier on-site student filmmaking competitions in New York City. All right, let's get into today's guest. One of my favorite anecdotes ever shared by a teacher reflecting on a student film production was about today's guest, alumni from 2016 to 2019, Christian Arnsberg. And yes, that is four years of submissions. When I told his film teacher, Clay Combs, from James Clemens High School in Madison, Alabama, that I was using Christian's impactful PSA, Bunker, as a staple of my roadshow presentations, Mr. Combs was delighted and happily recalled the thorough production process involved in bringing this film to life. Bunker addresses the negative effects of domestic violence on children via an extended metaphor, first introducing an injured and terrified soldier hiding out in an underground bunker, fumbling in the darkness for his bullets, before gaining the courage to surface and fulfill his obligation to continue fighting. The sequence alone would make a compelling short, but what truly elevates the concept is the shift no one sees coming we abruptly transition to a modern day house and a husband berating his wife to the point of abuse. The perspective shifts again and a terrified little boy peers out from underneath the tablecloth of the dining room table as text appears on screen to reveal a devastating final blow. Some of the toughest battles are fought at home. Stop domestic violence. It's a terrific concept with a lasting impact but it wouldn't resonate nearly as well in the hands of a lesser filmmaker. Christian took pains to ensure the accuracy of the World War I bunker setting, utilizing minimal resources to maximum effectiveness. The soldier is completely believable in performance, wardrobe, and props, and the scene is propelled by the natural light of a single match, provoking engagement while illuminating just enough of the horrifying ordeal. The tone is further enhanced by excellent sound design and staging. We hear the bombs raining down outside as the bunker rattles and shakes on the verge of collapse. And yet, all of this cumulative authenticity is actually the result of diligent, resourceful production. The low lighting helping to disguise the fact that we are actually in an underground tornado shelter and the soldiers' tattered, filthy appearance the result of Christian encouraging his actor to get into character by rolling around in a nearby drainage ditch. This is the epitome of smart student filmmaking, and it helped earn Christian the award for Best PSA in 2018. For the record, he has also had official selections in all four of his years of eligibility, including several nominations. I am thrilled to report, and definitely not surprised, that Christian has continued to pursue his passion. Since since graduating from Savannah College of Art and Design, he has refined his skills and shifted his focus to motion design and animation, working on independent projects as well as legit commercial work, including the Army-Navy game, No Way Home, I'm sorry, Spider-Man No Way Home, and NFL Thursday Night Football, to name a few. Christian already had the right stuff in high school, and he is making the most of his passion and talent. Without further ado, after that very lengthy intro, uh, well-deserved, of course, I am honored to be joined by Christian Arnsberger today. Hey, Christian, how are you? I'm
1: good. Thank you so much for that introduction. Very flattering. Oh, well, it's,
0: it's well-deserved praise. I love that story Mr. Combs shared with me, and I, I want to hear it uh, from your perspective as well. But first... Uh, We're going to kick things off with a little segment we call personal portrait. I'll uh, in this quick reply exercise, I'll say a word and you say the first thing that comes to mind, or I might ask a question as well. Ready to go. All right, here we go. You can only eat one food for the rest of your life. What is it?
1: Probably pizza, however unhealthy that may be in the long term. Yeah, you can't go wrong
0: though. I mean, there's, you know, there's good nutrients, vitamins. Yeah, cheese making like, bones bell strong. Peppers oh, on
1: there, maybe okay. mushrooms.
0: There you go. Excellent. Uh, okay. Next up, choose one famous person from history you want on your team during a zombie apocalypse.
1: Oh, zombie apocalypse, probably like someone who's who can get down the fight like uh uh who is that? Who's that, uh, like, Roman slave revolt guy? Oh, uh, like the, the the gladiator guy. Yeah, I can't remember his name, but him. I feel like he could, he could do pretty well. Or maybe someone with, like, a gun. Maybe Spartacus, like a, maybe. It's- Spartacus, yeah, or, like, a World War II soldier or Vietnam with, like, a bunch of machine guns or something that might prove useful.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, something to think about. I, I, you know, I don't know where I get these questions, but uh, thank you for at least, you know, being game for it. Of course. Um, Are you more productive morning or night? Um, Typically morning. Okay. I always think of like editor animator types being like night people, but that's good to know. Um, Which talent would you most like to have? Uh,
1: Out of anything? Anything? Uh, Maybe something music-related. I I like to play music, but I don't think I quite have the natural talent. So maybe something interesting, like I could just, like, shred a harmonica or something. Just kind of (laughs) weird.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
1: Uh, Shifting gears a little bit here. Film school? Um, Useful, but not necessary. Networking? Uh, very important. As long as you don't get in your head too much about it, just think of it like mean people and making friends. Perfect. The most important thing a film can do is. Uh, make people think critically and emotionally about, you know, like who they are and people around them. Maybe.
0: Favorite place in the world.
1: Um, probably like Northern Italy, Southern France.
0: You cannot go wrong. Uh, and finally the all American high school film festival.
1: Uh, very, very crucial to, I think my like growth as a filmmaker. And I think it just pushes anyone to, to be better every year.
0: I appreciate that. I, I certainly hope, uh, yeah, we help people elevate their craft and, and work hard at what they love to do. Um, Absolutely. All right, so let's dive deep now into all things Christian, the filmmaker, the, the motion designer, all these new things that, that you're doing. Um, where are you currently and what are you up to as it relates to film?
1: Uh, so I'm living in Los Angeles right now, and um, yeah, I've shifted to uh, motion design, which is... Um, kind of complicated to explain if no one has any idea but it's sort of a big mix of um, graphic design and animation some film and advertising aspects visual effects maybe um, but yeah a lot of commercial advertising work um, film and TV titles stuff like that
0: so uh, you, you've shifted from <clears throat> Alabama to uh, to Los Angeles that's that's quite a big change uh, a little bit yeah. how has that gone for you
1: uh, it's going really well I, I love it out here obviously there's um, you know a big cultural difference between the two and uh, you know I talked to anyone back in Alabama and they're like you're in Los Angeles like what's what's out there why are you out there um, but I, I love it <laughs> you know people are very nice out here and I like the kind of culture and, and kind of vibe of the place it feels a little laid back and a little more relaxed than I imagine New York would be I haven't lived in New York but been there enough to know it's a lot more fast paced than, um, yeah, the weather's perfect for the most part, plenty of things to do outside, inside. Um, yeah, going great.
0: Very cool. I couldn't be happier for you. And obviously a a big part of you being in LA, I would imagine is related to work opportunities, right?
1: Yeah. Um, everything is for the most part, a, a lot of people are still working remotely, um, in at least the kind of part of the industry I'm in. Um, but a lot of the studios that I've been working with are out here and, you know, had nowhere else to go. So I figured might as well move to LA and kind of be around those people. And I mean, it's definitely proved useful. I still, for the most part, just work in my bedroom. Um, but I've gotten a lot of opportunities to kind of go out to some kind of studio parties. Um, I worked with like a studio that got some, uh, Emmys nominations and they threw like a little Emmys party. So I got to go and, and kind of meet everyone that I'd been working with. Um, so yeah, it's proven useful even if I'm not like in an office all the time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, it is kind of independent work uh, to a large degree anyway. But it's it's always nice to have opportunities to be around other people and to celebrate your work. Are you are you freelancing? Do you work for a specific company? What's the yeah, deal with yeah, how you I'm get freelancing? These projects?
1: Freelancing full time um, and just kind of have developed like a pretty good relationship with at least a couple studios and some that I'm trying to cultivate a better relationship with. Um, But yeah, it's freelance. A lot of the projects last um, a good bit. Like most of the projects recently have been two, three months at a time. Um, So it's like pretty stable once you kind of get onto a project, but um, there's yeah, always that sneaking feeling as a project is ending and you don't have something else and you're like, I really hope something comes up, but to me, I, I've kind of trusted. I've begin to trust that, that things do come up, um, and if you have enough mm-hmm. studios that keep you in mind, um, you know they'll always be reaching out. Hey, Christian, like, what's your availability starting tomorrow? And I'm like, I'm free, and they're like, All right, let's do it. And then I'm starting <laughs> on a new project. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, and especially, you know, when you're young, it's not like, you know, you have a family, like you can, you can be a little bit more uh, bold about, you know, not necessarily having everything lined up and, and hoping that it works out. And I have no doubt based on seeing your work that, you know, one job's just going to keep leading to the next. Can you tell me a little bit about like, like, for example, what would a project be that you would work on for a few months for a studio?
1: Um. So, Yeah, you mentioned this project in the intro, but this kind of last big project that I was working on um, last fall um, was for NFL's Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime, and we were basically developing, designing, animating the opening title for Thursday Night Football, which is something uh, I guess that hasn't really been done before, at least like we did it, um, which I, I loved. I thought it was a really, and I mean, all credit to creative director and and people who were doing this before I got on the project, but I thought it was a really interesting, um, you know, creative and and conceptual um, process for it. It was something that I had never seen anything done in football. I mean, it's sort of like anime, like all kind of 2d illustrated characters, like running through kind of abstract scenes. And there's some, football paraphernalia and jerseys. Yeah, very like
0: edgy hard edges and
1: Yeah, yeah. it's like very graphic and and illustrative, which I thought was really interesting. Usually I think football and it's like just kind of crazy, like hyper realistic three D renders and it's like dun dun dun, like crazy music and stuff. Um but this like the music changed every week. Like they had like Lizzo one week and like Bruce Springsteen, like all sorts of stuff. Um so yeah, that was is a pretty exciting project, like compared to some stuff I do. But in a sense, that that could be a, a pretty kind of typical type of thing that I would do.
0: How many people are working on that? That you know, obviously you have to turn something around each week. So how many people are working behind the scenes to create what we see before the Thursday night football game? And they're like, what, maybe a minute long, something like that?
1: Yeah, about a minute, minute and a half. Um, yeah, quite a few, quite a few people, um, just because of the nature of freelance, which is what a lot of studios rely on. Like that's kind of their business model is to keep kind of a core tight knit, um, group of staff artists and then bulk up with freelance staff as projects, you know, come in and out. Um, and it works well, both ways it works well for the studio. I, I like being freelance. A lot of people like being freelance, um, So because of that, people's availability can shift. So there's always people kind of cycling in and out on a project. like I was on the project um, pretty much the entire time, all the way up until the last day, Thursday, December, you know, 29th or whatever the last um, Thursday night football game was. Um, But some people would be on it for a week, some people two weeks, some people like three days. Um, You know, there's some kind of niche uh, roles that people fill um, there's like what you call a cell animator, which is sort of like traditional frame by frame animation. Um, so we had like a few of those guys who would come on sometimes for like two days just to do like one shot. Um, and that's like the kind of runner um, throughout the whole sequence. That's, those are all cell animated and then kind of composited into the whole shot. Um, so at one time, there's probably five, six um, kind of real workers on it doing the animation or design, and then plus a creative director and a producer. And what
0: exactly, I find this fascinating, because, I mean, I know more about this stuff than most people, I guess, but I'm probably naive, and I I think when I see something like that, like it's one person. Maybe it's like (laughs) someone helps with the idea, and then there's one animator that's doing this. and, And maybe that's because so many of the terrific animations that we receive are created by one person over a long period of time. Right. So there's this whole team, like, what is your job within the team? If, and you, you seem to be a, sort of a more consistent
1: piece throughout the entire thing. What are, what are you actually doing? Um, so, yeah, on this project, on the, the NFL project, I was uh, an animator, a 2D animator completely. So um, a lot of times projects like that are kind of broken up into phases of um, kind of pre-production, conceptualization, and that's usually responsibility of the creative director. Maybe there's two creative directors maybe they'll get like a staff designer, um, to kind of help out with some stuff. Um, but that's kind of pitching the project to the, um, at this point, I guess it was to Amazon. Um, they were doing Thursday Night Football saying, this is the style we want to go with, you know, what do you think? Feedback, improvements. Um, then once you lock a style, then you move into kind of storyboarding. Um, I mean, honestly, it's like, like a film in a lot of ways. Uh, you move into storyboarding and you You know, you draw out, and a lot of times there's a niche storyboard artist that they'll bring on for, you know, a week or two and get out all the frames. What's the pacing of the piece going to look like? Put together some sort of animatic, um, maybe time with some, you know, early music or something that you want it to feel like. Get the pacing, the rhythm, you know, the kind of cinematography of the whole piece together. And then you move into design. So you have just designers designing out 25 frames of you know, a, a basically just a still of the final piece. What is it going to look like? And then that moves into animation. And that's for for this one, I came in um, to start 2D animating. So taking all these frames. And so there's like, you know, 20, 30 frames, you know, for this piece. And so there's four animators or so, and you just kind of split it up, start working, um, and you're just constantly animating, rendering, sending to creative director, getting notes continuing to work on that while you work on another shot, you know, they start getting pieced together. Um, There's usually an editor on the project that's putting everything in place. And it's just like constant cycle of like revisions, moving on to the next shot. Um, And then there's like, you know, three or four other people doing the same thing. And it all comes to a final place at some point.
0: Yeah I mean and and that's the other thing I'm thinking of it's with all these different people uh, working in all these different aspects it's it has to get done I mean this there's a game yep. coming every week and if <laughs> yeah. it doesn't get done there's you know are you working like for something like this this you're just curious are are you working like a couple weeks ahead uh, for each one or is it you know
1: yeah it, <clears throat> is each game different each game is different um they all are completely unique um you know all the colors in each piece um match the home team's colors that week there's jerseys that reflect um both teams um like history like their star players like of all time um there's kind of a a, what we call a superstar shot where typically it was the quarterback um, of each team sometimes it would be like a star running back or sometimes even the coach if there maybe like wasn't a star player for the team um so yeah, there's a lot of unique elements to each piece, um, but there's also kind of one um, streamlined, custom uh, baseline that we created, and and that was one of my big responsibilities on the project was to create this um, just master toolkit for the whole piece. Um, so aside from those shots that were unique um, to each to each uh, week, I had this whole master toolkit with all sorts of like. Linking and scripting all hooked up to a single layer that you could go in and change. And um, I had all the team's colors laid out. And so as soon as I set that up, it became pretty simple to go in, choose the colors, and then those two colors would update throughout the whole piece. So every instance of the home team primary color, home team secondary color, away team secondary, away team primary, those would all like kind of procedurally generate like throughout the whole piece. So that was a huge help. Um, if not, it would have been just a crazy amount of work. But luckily I was able to kind of put that together. Yeah, it's
0: fascinating. It's it's really fascinating to to think about you know, it's easy to just there's so much content out there. It's easy to just like sort of be numb to it and not really think about how many people are involved or how many layers there are to things. And you're talking about layers within layers. And again, like I, I understand it fairly well. Um But it is really complicated to make even, you know, one of these intros for one week that we're all just so accustomed to with everything now. And I think it's really cool that this has sort of become your thing. Um, And I love that you know you're getting paid to do it. And obviously, I can just tell from (laughs) listening to you that you you love doing it. Um, So, how old are you now? Twenty two. All right. So, everyone who's listening, Christian is twenty two. Just graduated college, I, I think. We're going to talk about that. But already doing what he loves and getting paid for it, like, that's amazing. I, I, that's what everybody wants. And I, I guess, just in the simplest of
1: terms, without prying, like, are you getting paid fairly well for this stuff? I am, yeah. I mean, uh, enough to live in Los Angeles without like uh, worrying too much, I guess. Um, I'm not like rich or anything, but yeah. able to to, yeah, you know, live a life in LA and, um, yeah, the, the, the pay is pretty good, especially, um, as freelance, uh, you know, I'm young, I'm still on like my parents' insurance. I don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Um, and kind of the, the idea behind freelance rates is, uh, they're supposed to kind of pay you, like you get paid more, um, freelance than staff just because they assume that you're, they're kind of paying you for like, uh, assumed vacation time at some point, or like, you know, you're, you you have to pay for insurance yourself, stuff like that. So, uh, it, it's a bit more than staff. So, um, I'm able to kind of take advantage of that young and, you know, get paid that freelance rate, um, with also not having to pay for insurance and all that.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and the fact that First of all, that's amazing. So congratulations. Uh, I know that you work very hard. It's not like these things are just handed to people. That's not how this industry works, but it's still great. Um, The fact that you're in so young, I mean, I can only imagine where you're going to be in 10 years, right? Where you're going to be in five years. If you're already getting these kind of gigs now, you know, you're only going to continue to improve. You're only going to continue to make new connections. Uh, So, I mean, I don't think you're going to have to worry about insurance, uh, even when you're not on your parents, I guess is what I'm saying. But to get back to the, the, the actual thing that it is that you're doing, I, I'm, I'm super curious. Like, how did you go from making PSAs, and you also submitted some terrific music videos over the years. Uh, you also submitted some, like, horror films. You, you kind of dabbled in a lot of different narrative styles when you were younger uh, submitting films to us how did you go from that to now sort of being this animator motion design? I I still don't really know what motion design
1: (laughs) compared to animation, but uh, it sounds cool and it looks even cooler. Thank you. Um, Yeah, I guess. um, I mean, we will probably spend more time, you know, in in all of these stages of, of the progression, but um, yeah, as a brief overview overview went from, you know, high school filmmaking to Savannah college of art and design um, went in as a a film major, um, did that for all my freshman year was really lucky to get involved on some, um, great, like senior thesis films, um, you know, pretty young and working in some camera departments and stuff like that. And I mean, I loved it. It was a lot of fun. Um, but like, as soon as I started doing it, I was just like, I don't know if I want to do this, like as a career. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what it was exactly, but it was like, Maybe it wasn't stable enough, which that isn't really anything now because my career isn't necessarily stable with freelance, but um, <laughs> I just kind of to I know what you like, mean, though. There's, I could see there being a big... Yeah. Yeah. It, I could see it, there being a difference. Right. It's a little scary, yeah. like, going into film, as, like, anyone listening to this probably agrees. Like, it's kind of um, obviously hard, and not mm-hmm. very many people end up doing it. Um, so I was just, like, having maybe second thoughts, and I was like, maybe I don't want to do film as a a career. Um, and that sort of paired well with me finding out about SCAD's um motion media department. Um and they had this, you know, really incredible course and program um called Motion Media Design, which is just specifically geared to what I'm doing now. Like um like the stuff I'm making now is the kind of stuff I was making in class, you know, all three and a half years. um, once I got into the program. So and you
0: um, had never really, you had never really done anything like that in in high school. Nothing. This was really just like you took this class, and you're like, "This is it. I love this."
1: Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like right now, I um, I live and breathe and work in After Effects 100 percent of the time. That's like that's where I live completely now. Um, but in high school, I thought After Effects was like the scariest, most complicated beast like of a program ever. <laughs> and I remember we submitted. Um, I think my third, third year, um, we submitted like a kind of sci-fi ish film called the Proustine effects. And we had like one little shot where it was like a kind of weird, like science tunnel thing where he's like basically traveling through space and or time or just in his mind. Um, and our friend, Elijah was like, I, I could do that. I-, I know after effects. And he did. And he like made this little tunnel. And I was like, I thought that was like magic. Um, I had no idea. So that was where I was in high school with After Effects. And yeah, I just in college, I I was like, I'll take this class. It was like a summer class before sophomore year, um, kind of the intro skills class, um, learning After Effects. I'll take that, see how I like it. And I loved it. And as soon as I came back in the fall, I, I had already switched my major and just dove right into motion media. And yeah, one thing after another
0: here you are that's so cool um and you know it's just one of those things that makes you wonder like what if you had never taken that class you know what if it wasn't yeah, available or you know for whatever reason you you didn't sort of take that leap of faith um and I can imagine there's a lot of people listening who who have similar feelings about after effects like it's just this huge intimidating universe of things beyond yeah. you know uh actual I developing promise, you know I promise developing it's, not. Skills it's,
1: to- it's possible to learn it. <laughs> I did.
0: It's just as practical as anything else, right? It's like mm-hmm. you just got to put the time in.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, well, and, and honestly, and look, I, I, it, there's like anything. Uh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, I, I, I would recommend filmmakers learn after effects. I think there's um, don't edit in it. I see some people like try to learn it and start editing their films. Don't edit in it. That's not what it's for. Um, but there's, there's a lot of things that it can do much easier than premiere. Um, if that's what you're in things like speed ramping and, you know, some subtle animation, even if it's just on, on clips, if you're doing any sort of like camera tracking, after effects is much better at that. I think Premiere has like a small function, but it's nothing like after effects um, stabilization, you know, works much better in after effects. Um, some color correcting. Uh, I mean, now that I'm like all in after effects, I should find everything easier, honestly, but um, there's a lot of effects and and color correction and um, that I think are a bit more uh, like clear what they do than just like a luminary color in premiere. Um, but yeah, just learn a little bit, watch some YouTube videos and and see where that can like help in your films because I think it's super helpful.
0: Yeah, and it's funny that you mentioned that It's a really good insight because I hear that a lot on this show, no matter who I'm talking to. No matter what we're talking about, it always comes back to this sense of like, you should try to learn as much as you can about all the different fields involved in this content creation process, because mm-hmm. they're only going to inform the one thing that ends up being your thing, right? So like, if yeah. if you're a director, you should act, because then you're going to understand actors and vice versa, and you know, all these different things. And that's basically what you're saying is, okay, maybe you're not going to be an After Effects person, and that's not going to be your main thing but even just understanding the capabilities of the program so that then Mm -hmm. you can work with your editors or, you know, your designers or whatever. Um, I think that's really good advice. So why was SCAD the right fit for you? Why did you decide that that film school was a a good option for you and why specifically SCAD? I know it's relatively close to where you grew up. That might have something to do with it.
1: Yeah, that, I guess that, that probably had a little bit to do with it. Um, you know, it was never like a huge decision for me. Um, I honestly like, even though I was like, you know, a high school filmmaker and submitting to All American and all that, I still didn't even think of film school as like a real thing. Like I, I like, I didn't even know what that meant. Like to go to film school, like a school all about film, um, which obviously those are real and they're very good. And I have friends who who did those and and even smaller programs. Um, like I can't remember what it's called, something in Atlanta, where it's like a film technical academy, things like that seem super useful. And if you just want to go and get hands-on experience, learn, you know, meet people that are in the industry, try to get one of them to, you know, pick you up as a little assistant on a project or PA, and all of a sudden you're meeting people and you're just around films all the time. I think it's like such a valuable thing. Um, But I thought like to me, SCAD was like a way to pursue film without it being uh like it still kind of felt like a real school I guess like you know it was like a four-year program and there were classes I had to have like a history credit and an English credit and math and you know I could take you know fundamental principles of drawing and design stuff like that um so it was never like a big option I was just like SCAD just seems like maybe it was like limited knowledge on my part that I just didn't look around enough but um, Sky just seemed like the pretty obvious choice to to go and pursue film and still be in like a somewhat normal, you know, college experience in dorms and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's it's a, such a beautiful school. I, I went with mm-hmm. my family um, to Savannah, you know, we stopped through there, we were on our way to Florida or something, and we stopped and to check it out. I'd never been there. And, you know, you always hear these crazy, wonderful things about it. Um, And it's such a cool city and such a beautiful Mm -hmm. school. Um, I'm curious about your experience there. Um, You know, do you feel like going and graduating from SCAD um, ultimately led, you know, to your
1: career path? Do you feel like it was worth it? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I I think I 100% would not be doing what I'm doing now if I had not gone to SCAD. Um, You know, I'm sure I would have been doing... Something else, hopefully still artistic or creative, but um SCAD, like one hundred percent there was nothing else to it. SCAD led me to my career and what I'm doing now. Um, they like I didn't even know what this industry was before SCAD and even at SCAD, like I would see motion media design, you know, in like some like screen in a building where they just like cycles through majors. I was just, like motion media design. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like, is that film? Is that video? I, I have no idea. Um, and I just was like, all right, let me take a class. And, um, but yeah, SCAD was an incredible experience. I think even in my freshman year as a film student, um, you know, hypothetically, if someone's listening and they want to do, you know, film at SCAD or film anywhere, putting myself back in those shoes, it was still a a really great way to meet people. And I still like talk to and, and kind of work with people that I met freshman year as a, film student um and they're all doing like amazing things and you know there's just so many talented people and i think that's probably the biggest plus on film school um because i think a lot of all-american people you're probably already pretty talented and you probably already know how to make a film and how to set up a light and you know what iso is and you know what shutter speed is and you know all this stuff you know what framing and composition and rule of thirds um those things that you just kind of understand if you're, you know, submitting uh, films at a high school level. Um, So you probably won't really learn a lot, at least at first. You will later for sure. Um, There's a lot more to it, but like your intro film class, you're not really going to learn much technically, but you're going to start to look around and be like, Oh, these guys are like me. They're really smart. I should work with them. Um, And there's just so much talent, like in one program. that you learn things from people they learn from you and you start putting together teams of like, you know, the best of the best, like everyone around you is going to be like one of the best high school filmmakers from, from their city and their school. So you just put all of them together on a team and I don't know, I learned so much from, from the people in in film classes.
0: I I mean, it, it, it sounds Awesome, right? Like it it makes me want to go back to have that kind of opportunity where it's like, wow, we're all really good. We all want to do the same thing. What happens when we come together? You know? Yeah. And it's it's just such an inspiring place to be. And I'm curious, did you after you transitioned to more of the, the design piece, did you work on some of the film majors projects and and help in that regard? Or were you just doing independent stuff?
1: Um, not really. I I kind of shifted and and was just buckled down on on the design. There were some people who did do that. And and there was a lot of collaborate collaboration um, across majors, people would make, you know, small title sequences or little title reveals for, you know, senior thesis films Mm -hmm. or something like that. I did work um, on some films even after transitioning to design, but not as like a motion designer, just as like, you know, I would grip on like some friends' projects even after not being in film. They were just like, "Hey, can you come?" You know, help out. And I was like, "Yeah," because I still loved kind of being on set and being in that environment. Um, so I, I did that a little bit still. Um, but yeah, for the most part, just kind of buckled into to the classes. And um, there's a lot of projects to do um, in the motion design coursework. I mean, there's pretty much like for the kind of studio classes. There's three projects, every class, and they're all pretty intense and sometimes working on multiple at once. Um, So yeah, there's a lot to do there.
0: I'm glad you said that. Is there a particular uh, assignment or project from college that really stands out to you? Um, I try to give, so I try to like think about our listeners and, and, and their you know, they're listening to this and they're going, okay, so what's college really like? And, and you're certainly providing some great insight about that. But is there a, a particular assignment or something that stands out that just might show us a little bit of what it was
1: like to be uni- you yeah. in college? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll give two, which I think kind of both these two together, I think, fill the gaps in between a lot of the stuff that I was interested in in college and kind of has remained true now and the kinds of things I like to work on. Um, One project was we had to do a a motion infographic project. So explaining some concept or thing with design and animation. Um, And that was around the time, uh, not to get political, but that I think Brett Kavanaugh or Amy Coney Barrett was nominated to the Supreme Court. Um, And I thought that was um, not like the greatest thing. (laughs) So I developed, and I think... I didn't really get too political in terms of like, this is like a bad person or a bad candidate or whatever. Um, But I think that um, with that happening to me, it showed a kind of fault in our system and how our Supreme court works. Um, So I developed this infographic that um, I did like a bunch of research and I found this like great report from like these two political science professors, PhD guys about how we could restructure our Supreme court. And so I read like their whole document that they wrote and um, kind of tried to visualize it and yeah, put together like a minute long um, kind of TSA ish, but more just kind of uh, like Vox style. um, If you're familiar with that kind of work, just like explaining how could the United States restructure their Supreme Court. Um, And I thought that was really exciting. I've always been super interested in politics and history and stuff. So that was a great way to kind of, combine my interests into like a kind of career like portfolio piece. Um so that's one. That was like you know that was and like I, kind I, of my I, yeah if I Yeah go ahead.
0: Sorry, if I can it interrupt. I, I think what's so cool about that is you're taking uh you know something that you're interested in and you're giving it a power, right? Because you're really in a sense you're talking about something that's kind of rather dry and not something maybe especially young people, right, who Maybe you're sitting sure. in a history class being told, you know, well, what? have you ever thought about how the Supreme Court is structured and, and how people yeah. get elected and blah, blah, blah. But now you're giving it a real power. And that's the beauty of, of, you know, these tools and what you are developing skills at is you're taking this concept and you're making it interesting. You're making it inviting and engaging. And that is so cool. And to marry your love of design and your love of politics and, and make a statement well, that's just great. I mean, that's that's how you fall in love with an art form like this. Um, very cool. I do want to hear about the other one. I'm sorry. I just had to, I wanted to add. Yeah,
1: that. yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And you don't have to be interested in politics. You can be interested in whatever you want and still merge, you know, any interest. I mean, people did that with, um, you know, music or film or um, anime, like, you know, people did everything. Things were so open-ended in a lot of those projects. It was a very loose constraint of something to achieve. Like this was, you know, this wasn't like describe, like explain a political thing. It was create a motion infographic. And mm-hmm. so just like explain anything you want. Like people explain like, I don't know, the life cycle. It could of have been to, the turtles. NFL football thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, as long as it fulfills that requirement. And and, and that it helps a lot because yeah. these kind of pitches and um, concept decks are what you use like in the real career where it's like, this is the pitch, this is what we're accomplishing. Um, You know, this is what we have so far, like, how can you push it further? Um, So yeah, super helpful. Um, But yeah, the other project that I was going to mention was uh, a title sequence that we did. Um, I think it was you had to, I think it was just do a a main title sequence. Um, And so I did Uh, a kind of speculative main title for the show Mr. Robot, which surprisingly didn't have any title sequence. Um, They just had like, they had the very famous like classic Mr. Robot, like the full frame text that just like, like flaps on the screen um, at like a very distinguished shot. And supposedly like all those shots are reflective of like the episode in its entirety. So it's kind of interesting, but they didn't have a real title sequence. So I developed this like what I thought was this kind of crazy, interesting, visual language of, um, digging into the the concept of the show, um, which is, if you're not familiar, this like kind of crazy kind of black mirror esque in a way show about, um, what if there are people behind the curtains working, you know, in the banking and financial industry and really ruling the world. And there's a hacker that's the main character um, and he's hacking into their databases and stuff like that. Um, so all these kind of like iconography of the show, it's money, it's computer science, it's computers and hacking, you know, ones and zeros, uh, you know, dollar bills, he's in New York City. So obviously there's like great New York City iconography with the skyline and all that kind of stuff. So just combining all of, I already had a good visual thing going like, all right, I need to feature, all this stuff. Um, but how do you make it weird and like kind of retro sci-fi? So it's like this kind of dark black and red, you know, color palette and um, weird kind of visual glitching going on, Um, obviously, like still referencing this whole kind of computer thing. Um, But yeah, that was like just this amazingly open ended project guide and it's like do anything. I was like, I was watching Mr. Robot at the time. I love the show. I understand the kind of concept and and iconography within it and just like, like, go for it.
0: It's so cool that you, you know, you get to, obviously it's a school assignment, but that I, well, I saw it on your website and it's awesome. And I Thank promise you. you, I will never watch a show intro again without thinking of you because yes. I, I, and, I just and put and myself of in the your shoes and I think you, you had people. a little something. Oh, it's, it's insane. And, and again, it's just another one of these things with so much content that we, I don't see the human. Behind or mm-hmm. the humans, the crew working to create these things. When I watch them, and yet they're a part of our everyday lives now. I mean, everybody Definitely. is watching these shows. Everybody is seeing these things over and over again, and they're gripping. I mean, it's like I can't. As soon as I saw your uh, iRobot, is it uh, Mr. Robot? Mr. Robot. Mr. Robot. Yeah. Uh, I immediately thought of the House of Cards intro, which for whatever reason will always like be stuck in my mind because it's so oh, powerful it's with the yeah. song and 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 just the imagery. Yeah. Uh, And then of course, you know, there's just, there's one for everything and it must have been so much fun to take a show that you liked and to create this for it. And then to have it turn out so well, is, is this your niche moving forward? Is, is this sort of what you see maybe working on at least for now, uh, like these intro type things, or is it just like, it's not that black and white. There's just so much work in this area that it could go any direction.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're right. There is a lot of work. Um, and sometimes like I can't be too picky with the projects I work on. Um, you know, a lot of times I just, someone comes to me with a project and I don't have anything else going on. So I'm, I'm going to work on it kind of, no matter what it is, unless I really don't like it, then I can just pass. Um, but I do love, um, title design and, and show main titles for film and TV. Um, that Mr. Robot thing, that was like, I loved working on that. I love developing the, visual language of it and, um, you know, pushing that forward. Um, the NFL in a lot of ways is that like, you know, even though it's like for football and sports, it is like a show opener, it's, it is a main title. Um, so that was a lot of fun. And and I love that idea of like, okay, how do you use design and animation to tell a bigger story about the show and kind of relate to the show, like, I'm watching uh, the new HBO show The Last of Us right now, which is incredible. But it also has an amazing main title, um, which kind of has this like growth and the the you know the disease spreading, and it's this beautiful three D rendered thing um, by a studio called Elastic. They did an awesome job. Um, so yeah, I I love just the idea of being able to like kind of reflect on the show and and the story and the characters and whatever through a kind of abstract um, way like that. Like, you know, you don't really see the characters, you don't see the story, but you kind of feel it or understand it just in the way that it's rendered in the cinematography, in the colors, you know, in the pacing, the music, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I think I, I, it You just made me think of like my one of my favorite parts or my favorite part of this whole industry of, of film, whatever, all these different things is tone. And just how this visual storytelling can make us feel by mm-hmm. combining all of the elements in the right way. And, and that's what these intros have to have. They have yeah. to establish the tone, or they that should be the goal, right? To establish the tone visually and mood um, and, and obviously sound, but so that that's sort of like, oh, this is my introduction to where the, we're going to go with the show and this is going to be sort of the embodiment of the vibe um and that's such a cool thing to, to be responsible for i just thought of two things uh, i do want to get into some of your high school work as well but i just thought of two things that i probably should have asked before you mentioned the studio that that made the intro for the last of us which i, I watched uh episode 2 last night as yeah, well so um, awesome is that like i, I know and and it's the, i love the the girl's great um Anyway, uh, we could get, go all into that, but uh, definitely check it out if, you ha- if you're if you listening and you haven't. Um, do you want to work for a studio? Is that is that like the goal or do you see yourself being independent moving forward?
1: Um, I think for now, I'd, I'd like to stick freelance for as long as I can. Um, and just, you know, obviously work with all these incredible studios. Um, I haven't worked with Elastic who did The Last of Us, but I would love to. Um I work a lot with a, a studio called Imaginary Forces, and that's what I did the NFL thing with. That's what I did Spider-Man No Way Home with. Um, and so there's all these incredible studios that, like, it just takes one connection at the studio to jump in and, and start working on something. Um, someone remembers you or, you know, you worked with someone and now there's staff at that studio and they're like, oh, you know, I think Christian, like, he, he does this kind of like 2D, grungy kind of thing. We should get him on this project. So. Yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't think I want to be staff, at least for now. Um, maybe maybe later, but I don't know. There's sort of a, a progression of a, a freelancer where they, you know, you start small with the lower day rate and then you do some bigger projects and you get a bigger day rate and then you do bigger projects. And all this time it's with studios. Um, but at some point, and I've done this a little bit, but not on a, a big scale. At some point you shift from like, freelancing with studios to freelancing with kind of direct to client. So you're working directly with a business or, or, or company, or, um, even at a bigger scale, a a production house, like, you know, Fox or CBS or Warner brothers or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're developing content directly with them. And as you can imagine that like price drastically raises from working with a studio to Warner brothers or something. Um, so that, that is certainly one possibility, just growing and, you know, you start doing um, a bigger project and you get someone else and like all of a sudden you're like almost your own studio in a way where you're, you you know, you're getting mm-hmm. a younger, younger animator designer and you're like, hey, can you help me out on this project? Um, and then you're paying them their day rate and, the, you know, production is paying you yours and theirs and, you know, it just kind of grows from there. So right. I think that's, that's probably... What I would like to do—that's um, a long-term thing, but yeah.
0: It's so exciting that you have all of that ahead of you, um, and I'm just so excited for you. Um, the only other thing I wanted to men- uh, ask about, sort of that side of things for you, is like how do you how do you get these gigs? I know you said sometimes people come to you. Is is there like a, a platform where you go to like find out certain jobs are available or? I mean, how did it even get started that you got picked up on any of this stuff?
1: Yeah, um, it it really all started in Scad. Um, You know, I I started doing uh, some stuff in college. I did an internship with this advertising agency, and that was um, a bit different work. It was much more kind of commercial and you know, small, uh, short form kind of advertising content on social stuff like that. But it was I was still doing motion design, um, and that's where I did the Army Navy stuff. um, That was with uh, this advertising agency. Um, So that kind of got me in a place to do some real like client work, aside from just showing like classwork on my website or portfolio. I think that helped a lot. Um, And then from there, as like my senior year was ending, I just, um, SCAD was fantastic in providing like a way to connect with a lot of studios. Um, We have a um, event every March called Commotion. Um, where we bring in like representatives from as many studios as possible. Like pro- my senior year, junior year, there's probably, I don't know, 20, 30 studios all across America and Canada. I think there's one from like Quebec. Um, and they all just come in and they host portfolio reviews. They watch our, they watch our, um, you know, reels. Um, they judge, like we have like a little awards thing where they judge like the best work in different categories. Um, and it's just like this amazing way to network, I guess you could say, but really just like meet and hang out and talk to like real staff designers um, at these studios. And you know, if you're lucky, they remember you, and they're like, you know, either they reach out or you know, usually you, you follow up with all of them. Um, so that helped me. I met um, some some people from Imaginary Forces out in LA. Um, my senior year, I applied to a, their internship um, as my uh as i was graduating didn't get the first one but applied for the next one and and got in in the fall um and that just like completely opened the door for working with imaginary forces and um honestly like that's been kind of the a big like catalyst for a lot of my jobs even at other studios it's like you know someone will reach out and be like hey like our creative director like he saw your work at imaginary forces and like he said to reach out to you about this project or whatever. Um, so like, and that could have been any studio. Um, I, I love working with IF. like all of them are just crazy talented and I've learned so much, but it could have happened to any studio. You just, it's just that one connection, which just like, like a web just like spirals out to um, all sorts of people. And if you're pleasant to work with and, you know, try to work hard and learn, then like I think people take notice pretty quickly, um, and then yeah, everyone like they just tell their friends. They're like, "Oh yeah, this Christian guy, or you know Tom, he was really good on this project. You should talk to him." Right. It,
0: it's so important how you present yourself, uh, your work ethic, uh, just being kind. You know, uh, it, it you cannot yeah. underestimate that because we all want to work with people that we like and that we like working with. With exactly, and it's a combination of your attitude and your, and your talent. And sometimes attitude is more important, you know, to be Definitely. honest. Um, but I, that's such a cool program that they have. Uh, I love the title of it too, commotion. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. It makes a lot of sense for, you know, sort of what they're aiming to achieve. Um, but I was thinking the entire time that you were talking about it, that I have a feeling that a lot of your success is because of the way that you present yourself uh, and your humility and your eagerness to work. and. Uh, I can imagine that you presented yourself extremely well and that these opportunities arose from that as well as your talent. Um, and that that's going to be a catapult, right? It's just going to be one thing into the next and your web is just going to mm-hmm. continue to grow. Um, but you got to get that first, you got to get that first gig and then, you know, you sort of see what happens from there. And it's, it's really, really cool the trajectory that you're on. So I'm going to shift gears uh, with the little bit amount of time that we have left. Uh, you come from Madison, Alabama. One of my favorite programs, James Clemens. I've had the opportunity to visit uh, on several occasions. I think when you were there, I, I definitely visited. I think in so, yeah. Roadshow, um, right? Yeah, and I know, definitely your. I know your sisters into this stuff as well. Yeah. I definitely remember her as well. Um, it's it's not a place that people think of when it comes to filmmaking, and I, I <laughs> you know laugh about that sometimes with your your teacher uh, and and the laughter then turns into admiration because it's amazing that you've managed to build this really uh, successful, you know, top of the line national program in an unlikely place. Um, how did your high school experience and support help get you where you are today? Help you continue on this path?
1: Uh, I mean, I, in every way, I think like, just as earlier, I said that like SCAD 100% put me to my career now. Um, similarly. James Clemens and our program, Jets Press, and, you know, Clay Combs, that, like, same way. He and that program also, like, 100% set me up to where I'd go next. Um, you know, that set me up to go to SCAD, and SCAD set me up to do what I'm doing now. So it's like, it's just this big kind of chain reaction. Um, and, yeah, it's it's incredible what what uh, Combs has built. Like, at James Clemens, it's, um, like you said, I agree. I, I think it's the top-of-the-line, you know, film program. I thought that when I was there and I think they've only grown since. And it's like, you know, when I was there, like I think me and maybe a couple other people were the only people submitting to all American. And we thought that first year, we thought it was like the coolest thing ever that we got accepted. Um, and I don't think we got a finalist the first year. Maybe we did, but you know, the second year we did it again. And then we were finalists and we thought that was the coolest thing ever. And then, you know, by the end we won best PSA. and combs and it's like yeah they just got like four finalists and like two category winner you know just like they're just doing amazing so yeah it's crazy what what combs has built and continue to build
0: yeah and i think it's it's such a good example of uh, a school district supporting the program and then having the right teacher whose dedication and passion is really what keeps it alive and, and, and help has continued to help it grow. Uh, and I'm just super impressed by that. I don't know if Bunker's your favorite film that you made in high school. Um, you have a uh, part-time fool was an excellent music video. I think it was definitely right there with the one that won that year. You could have easily won for that. I remember that being an agonizing decision that we had to make, um, which is probably my least favorite part. Cause it's like, no one knows how close they came kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a great film. Bunker, uh, uh, really one of my favorite, if not favorite, PSA we've ever received, just in, in, the, in the sheer creativity and impact that you delivered. Uh, and, I, and I really wanted to mention during my intro that you did so much with so little, if you really think about what you had to work with there and what you made it seem like. Um mm-hmm. I know I remember the Proustian effect, you know, I don't know, but I, I just f- keep coming back to Bunker because you provided me with such an awesome tool for teaching. And that's Thank why you. I take that film around. Um, it, it Was I accurate in my description? As I remember Mr. Combs telling me that you had your lead actor, like rolling around in a ditch.
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. That was a uh, guaranteed. Well, um, who was like one of my best friends growing up and he started doing theater in high school. And so it was like an easy choice, but, he's also like absolutely incredible. And he's in Europe now doing like uh, theater acting. Um, and he's part of like this theater troupe and doing Shakespeare and all sorts of plays like touring around Europe. So he's got it in him, obviously like that was all him. I, you know, I didn't have anything to do with how good he was. Um, but yeah, we, I found, um, so yeah, it's like a sort of world war two um, or world war one era bunker um, and this soldier. And I found all the, pieces of the outfit and um you know the the helmet and fake gun and all this stuff and um just worked with him like we spent um a lot of time like before filming just like putting him in the costume and it's like okay like what is this emotion like you know you are terrified like you know you're on a real battlefield and um yeah originally like we thought that it might be a longer piece and not a PSA like it wasn't supposed to be a PSA at first it was going to be um you know like a A a typical like narrative film, and like, um, and the the idea came from from Combs, and he had like some old story in college about like, oh, what if like, you know, this a kid um who like uses his imagination to like escape um like a bad household or bad friends or bullying or you know you know sort of like using a kid's imagination, and so Combs and I spent a lot of time like paring down that concept to be, um, you know, what it became, um and yeah, everything just kind of lined up, um, and, and works like it's, I agree with you. It's definitely my favorite piece I did in high school. Um, even though like, it's not the longest or like the most, it doesn't have the best, like yeah. dialogue. Cause there's like almost no dialogue. It doesn't have, you know, all the, all these things, but I, I think it, it was certainly the most emotional and the most impactful, um, in every way. Um, so yeah, I mean, even now, like I, I'm very proud. That's probably um, you know, having hindsight, that's, that's like the one thing that I'm still proud of as like, you know, technically, narratively, emotionally, like even with like years of kind of growth, I'm like, that still works. Like it's still emotional.
0: Yeah. And and I know it can be tough looking back on, on work you made when you were younger, uh, seeing the flaws and knowing how much you've grown, but I, I think you're exactly right. And I, I, f- I think I almost feel a little bad, like saying, like, I want to talk about Bunker, right? It's for exactly the reasons you describe, It's short, and it's a PSA. But then I'm like, no, no, it, if something is really good, then it's, mm-hmm. a, it's important to talk about it. And I think if you watch the the opening sequence, because it's really sort of two different worlds that you're presenting, that opening sequence with the, guy, with the, the actor and the soldier in the bunker is a lot like the motion work that you're doing now. It's really about setting up tone and making an introduction. We know nothing about it. Like I had to make a guess. Is it World War I or World War II? You know, I, I didn't really know, but I know it's a period piece and that it's a long time ago because the details are authentic. And I know what the tone is. And that's really all I need to know because that helps drop the hammer when you transition to the other scene. But it's such a great tool for teaching so many things. And and it's all the things that young filmmakers typically get wrong, right? A lack of authenticity. Well, well, how did you make it authentic? Because we didn't see that much. So we couldn't see the flaws. It was believable because the lighting was so low. And then what we did see, you made sure it was right enough, right? Because Mm -hmm. I, I really care only emotionally about what he's going through. So I'm not even worried about the details, but they look good to me. They look real. down to the wound on his face like you obviously had a makeup artist do a really good job on Um, and then the rest is just carried by sound design right I mean it's just Mm -hmm. like you feel like you're in that bunker and have to go back out and you don't want to and then all of a sudden to transition to what it's really about you know that there are all kinds of battles in this world and and some are really tough on kids Uh, it it was powerful Um, and I'm glad that you you and Mr. Combs you know for whatever reason, decided to go down the road to make that film, because I think I'll be using it to teach for a long time.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I I think you, you're you're exactly right. We used, we wanted to show as least, the least as possible. um, Because like, at least I, I was very aware of, of our, you know, flaws and lack of, you know, budget and talent and, you know, all these things. Like, um, I knew that we could do this little bit, but, you know, at first, like I said, it was going to be a, a longer narrative thing. And, you know, I was early on, I was thinking about how do we like, do we show him on a battlefield? Like, are there going to be like helicopters and like other soldiers? Like, how are we going to do VFX to like shoot bullets and stuff? Um, and I was just like, all right, there's no need to do that. We can still tell the same story um, without... Like, like kind of showing our hand, like, hey, we're high school filmmakers. We, you know, don't have a whole VFX team. Um, we don't have like a full costume team, all this thing, all these things. Um, so it's like, yeah, how can we show as as least as possible while still making it clear that he is a World War II soldier and, you know, he's badly wounded and he's running from a battlefield. And I think a lot of that came from the acting. Like I, I thought it was completely believable. I remember filming it um, and like feeling the emotion while filming, I'm like, man, this guy's like actually terrified of being in here. Um, so yeah, that helped a lot with, with a worse actor. It, I don't think it, w- it would have the same effect.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's, it, that's another thing. It's all showing and really no telling. And that mm. is power in film. And, you know, it's like you were forced to do it maybe. Um, but whatever it is, it it worked. And I think, I think, you know, you'd be selling yourself short not to give yourself a lot of the credit, too, because you had to come up with this. Thank you. Uh, you had to figure out how to pull it off. You had to figure out how to get that performance out of that actor. Um, and and it really is a terrific little film. And, and you know, it's definitely worth talking about. So uh, just a couple more questions. I mean, I, I, we could keep talking and I know there's, you know, probably so much more that we could explore. Um, what is your favorite part about what you're doing now? Um, and then following that up, what's the hardest part?
1: Um, I think probably my favorite part is still the, the early conceptual pre-production phases, um, which a lot of the times I'm not a part of on these big projects. Um, like the NFL project, I had nothing to do with that. I, I, you know, when I joined the style was locked, um, you know, the look and visual language was locked. Um, and I still had a great time animating, you know, it was a ton of fun to be on the project. Um, but, the, you know, really, like, discovering and and using reference to build a unique look for something, I think is, is really interesting. Because, I mean, a lot of times it's scary, like, you know, starting a project and you have like nothing. And it's like, okay, you know, our assignment, like, we want, we're going to do a main title for this film or or show. And like, that's all you have. And it's like, okay, how, like, where do you even start? And so you just start combing through, you know, references. And I mean, a lot of people are better at this than I am. And I love hearing from other people talk about their pre-production phase. But, um, you know, I love just like, nothing is off limits, um, in terms of like art and design, like, you know, some, some pieces I'm like, you know, looking at like um, architectural photography and, and like you said, like in Bunker and, and what I'm doing, it's all about setting a tone and a mood and every art form does that. So I think you can find inspiration everywhere. Um, you know, you look at photography and it conveys a mood and tone. Uh, you know, you look at visual art, painting, um, sculpture, um, You know, interior design, like anything, is like all about creating like a a certain aesthetic and and tone. So it's like, okay, how did they do that with photography, and how can I do that with design? And, And and it's the same with film. It's like, how how did they do that with like a sculpture? And it's like, okay, the sculpture it feels you know cinematic. It it feels like you know maybe the lighting of the photo of the sculpture is like you know interesting, out of focus, bokeh. You know all these things. It's like how can I use lighting um, and set design to create like this unique tone and vibe? And that's what I loved about film. And that's what I still love about like a lot of the work that I'm doing.
0: Very cool. And, and, and I couldn't agree more and that, that people don't always see all the different disciplines as connected in that same way about the aesthetic, but it's absolutely what I see. Um, and it's probably what's going to ultimately give you an edge. Um, and I have a feeling at some point you're going to get your turn as that creative director. And I, I can't wait. Um, because when you did it independently, you excelled. So, uh, what about the hardest part?
1: Um, I mean, in a lot of ways, that part is the hardest part. Um, because like I said, it's hard to start. Your favorite part's the hardest part. (laughs) Yeah. in, In a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, because it, it's very hard to start with literally nothing. You know, like on the NFL project, I came in and everything was established. And it's like, obviously, it's difficult. Um, you know, it's technically challenging to animate things and, and make things look believable and, you know, have the motion be fluid and interesting. Um, but, you know, when, when everything's there, it's kind of just doing it. And it's like, okay, I, I know how to animate, I, I know how to do these things. It's just, at that point, it's just a lot of time and refining and, you know. Um, and there can be a lot of things. Uh, one of my favorite things, and this is favorite again, but is, like, there's, like, a different way to solve, like, every problem and there's a different way to animate, like, every different thing. So, um, yeah. I might say that. I'll, I'll go back. I'll say favorite. In, in that way, trying to solve kind of the problem of... Of, of getting something to where you want it to be. Because you can have in your head, like, I want it to look like that. I want it to move and flow and be timed like that. But then you actually have to have to do it. And there's, like, infinite ways. I mean, if anyone has gotten into After Effects, you can you can do the same thing so many different ways. But it's all about finding the easiest or maybe the simplest, sometimes, like, the most flexible way that can be easily changed later on. Um, you know, like film, like there's this kind of concept of like destructive or non-destructive editing. Like there's a very similar concept in animation where it's like, okay, how can I build something to then change it later? If my creative director doesn't like it or the client doesn't like it, how do I easily change the color or movement or whatever?
0: I think it's so cool that the challenges of the process are something that you embrace uh and it just shows how much you love what you're doing and i mean that's all anyone can ask for in this world you know and it's just Definitely. so cool and it, it, you're so well deserving uh that it, it it makes me very happy to know that you've found happiness in your career um thank you because so many people just don't ever know what yeah. that feels like um yep. and i know what it feels like so, uh, you know, it's always great to, to know someone else who, is, who has found it. Um, what advice do you have for our community? Someone's listening, they're out there, you know, I don't know, maybe they want to, they already know they want to do motion design. I think you probably wouldn't be surprised, but people might be surprised how many people, young people that are part of our community already know, like, this is what I'm going to do and yeah. and how. And I know that changed for you. but. Uh, in any way related to the industry. um, You know, if you're talking to your younger self, what advice would you have?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely keep an open mind to anything. Um, You know, as it's as I've talked about, like I had no idea. The things that I'm doing now, I didn't even know existed, you know, when I was in high school or even starting college. Um, So keep an open mind about the kinds of jobs and things that are out there. Um, I think, and I hope to be like a good example of someone who, also, doesn't know what motion design is, or you know, and there's a dozen other and and more different fields, tangential or within film and video content that you will never see until you just like, kind of I don't know, fall into it a little bit. Um, so yeah, it, like film isn't some crazy like impossible thing to do. It's very real. People, so many people live it and work it all over the world. So like. Don't be, um, don't be scared to pursue it, um, but also don't be locked in. Don't think like, okay, I'm going to be a cinematographer. You know, I'm going to be a, a film director. Um, maybe you will be and work towards it if that's what you really want to do. But also don't be afraid to kind of, as you pursue that, look to left and right and be like, oh, maybe I actually want to be, you know, an audio engineer in music production or like, you know, maybe I want to do like YouTube social media content or something for brands, like small brands need like film content to show off their new skateboard or, you know, like there's just so much to do Um, and and don't lock yourself into anything until you, I mean, never just like, I'm still not locked in. Like who knows what I'll do in five years. Um, And also just be, I love it. Yeah. Be motivated and, and be passionate and interested in what you're doing. Be nice to those around you. I think that's been one of my like biggest bonuses. Is um, like I don't think I'm the most like technically savvy and talented person like doing what I'm doing, but I think like I'm I try to be pleasant to work with and eager to learn and willing to help out like even when it's not expected, and that's what people remember more than like oh Christian did this like crazy. Um, 3D render, or whatever. Like they might remember that, but they're gonna remember like what it felt like to work with you. And it's like, oh, it was just so easy to be around him. It was so nice to jump on a call every morning. And that's, I think, matters a lot more than technical ability.
0: Great advice. And look, you're living it because I certainly feel that way. Speaking with you today, it's been a real pleasure. The last thing I like to ask folks, and and this is a little bit selfish because it gives me uh, some stuff to put on my list, but. Is there anything uh, on your radar right now, a recommendation for a film, a TV show, music release, can be anything at all uh, that you're digging that will just help give us a little bit more insight into what you're all about?
1: Um, I mentioned The Last of Us. I'm loving that. It's an incredible... I never even played the video game, but the show is fantastic. Um, The title design, that's what I'm really interested in, uh, is super good. Um, So, Yeah. Go for that.
0: Do you have a, a? Since you mentioned the title design, do you, do you have a, another one, another show, or something that, like, from a person who's in the industry, really working on it? You're like, wow, that one actually really blew me away.
1: Um, recently, um, I'm there's sure you a have show. twenty, but yeah, I, I've there's so many that I that I love. Um, I'll do recent and then like kind of past. Um, one recent one I think was last year, um, a show, I think it was on Apple called candy. Um, that had a, a really nice, uh, title sequence, um, kind of interesting, like right up my alley, like very 2d, um, kind of interesting, textural, illust- illustrative, but not, you know, character. Um, so that's really nice. Um, I don't know about the show. I didn't really watch much of the show, but I love the title sequence. Um, and then historical, I've, I've always loved, um, uh, it was like like the kind of old Sherlock Holmes movie um, with Robert Downey Jr. Uh, the, I think it was the first one that has an awesome title sequence. It's like, this kind of worn like newspaper and like ink reveals and it like kind of pans over newspapers. And then there's like a, sh- a photo of like Sherlock Holmes and then like pushes in and it's suddenly like him moving. Great title sequence recommend that. And the movie's good too. Very cool.
0: I I'm telling you I I mean I've I think everyone knows that these things are good, but I will forever look at them more closely now um because glad. of <laughs> the work that you're doing. Um So I want to thank you, Christian, for an insightful glimpse into your experiences and motivations as a storyteller. I encourage all of you to check out Bunker and Part-Time Fool and all the other links in the description. And of course, thanks to all of you for tuning in and joining us. I remind you that this is just one of many in-depth conversations with the future of film. You can go to hsfilmfest.com for more information on the All-American High School Film Festival. And please be sure to share and subscribe across all of our platforms to help support our community
1: of emerging artists. Christian, thank you so much. Tom, thank you so much for having me. It's awesome what you guys are doing with the podcast. Of course, with the film festival, that was a huge help to me as an emerging filmmaker. So thank you guys for all that you're doing. It's amazing.
0: I appreciate that. And uh, you keep doing what you're doing as well. Everyone, see you next time.